0: Welcome to the Kuhani Podcast from me, Isaac Mwema. This is where we build each other up in the faith so that we can be a holy and priestly people. This means that we strive for and are changed by God's presence while also influencing others to be changed by that same presence. Kuhani Podcast is supported by our friends and partners. These are exciting times in church history. I'd like to suggest to you that God is doing great things. Things that will mark the body of Christ for years to come. Right here and right now. If you would open your eyes to see it. If you would open your ears to hear it. The Spirit is speaking to the church right now. It's a make or break period for the church of Christ. And I pray that none of those who are hearing this will be left behind. Today we'll talk about restoration, bridal restoration. And our text will be from Ephesians 4 and verse 8 to 16. And here we see Jesus giving us a pattern for revival. How he revived his bride himself. And therefore, he is giving us a pattern for revival. Number one is reduction. Ephesians 4, 9-10 says that in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. The first step in bridal restoration, in bridal revival, is a reduction. God destroys the normal order. The normalcy of the things that we were used to gets destroyed and that we are left into the uncertainty of change. Christ, descended into the lower parts of the earth he left his glory in heaven he left his fellowship with the father that was his normalcy and that he came to the earth and even then he was still having fellowship with the father but then he had to go into the lower parts of the earth and so there is a temporary going down a persecution that precedes revival We see it with Israel, and we see it with the church in Acts. In Israel, we see it from Genesis 15 when God was making his promise to Abraham. He says, verse 12 to 13 of Genesis 15, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, At this time, he was called Abram. He was not yet called Abraham. Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Mm. So, the beginning of God giving Abraham his promises starts with a dreadful and a great darkness that falls upon him. This is not demonic. This is your God that when he gets ready to begin something anew, he was getting Abraham ready for what was coming. He fell on him a dreadful and great darkness upon him. And he told him that his descendants will have to be slaves in a land. How many of you, when it comes to the promises of God, you want to hear that it will start with slavery. It will start with bondage. It will start with persecution. It will start with a going down. There's a necessary going down with revival that destroys our norms and our normalcy. God has to break us to start us again. Acts chapter 8 1 to 3, and Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. Darkness, darkness all over. But Saul was ravaging the church, And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. When God sets you up for the promise, you are not going to look like it, brethren. The promise is wrapped up in persecution, in what looks like failure, in discouragement, in lamentation, in grief, in loss and many other things, but that if you're able to look beyond it, they are the promises. And therefore, that is how revival will happen in the church. It will not start with filled stadiums. It will not start with filled churches. I'm sorry, but that God will destroy our norms. I beg to just to suggest that the way God has been breaking our normalcy from the virus coming that it is setting us up for something that he wants to do in the church but only those that will get it, only those who are not eager to go back to what was normal in quotes it will only happen to those who are willing to embrace the new normal, the change that is coming, will you perceive it the new thing that he's doing that God first breaks before making whole He destroys the familiar. He introduces us to change to unfamiliar places. Past methods will not work anymore. Chaos precedes a great move of God. God disrupting the normal. The apostles and the disciples were so comfortable in Jerusalem. Being that it held some sacred value in them traditionally. Being Jews, Jerusalem had great meaning, but that God had to take them out of that place. Saul persecuted them and that they had to be scattered all over the regions in Judea and in Samaria. There had to be chaos. There had to be an an inevitable change that God was bringing them in. There is a greater reduction before revival, before Jesus came to revive his bride by bringing the era of grace. The era of the prophetic, the era of the Old Testament had to reduce. And the greatest prophet, who is John the Baptist, whom the spirit of Elijah resided in him, he saw Jesus in the waters and he said, I must reduce, I must decrease that he may increase. For us to step into the next thing that god is taking us into there is a necessary reduction the ability to adapt to change comes with the maturity of knowing who god is as elohim elohim means he is the never changing god yet he appears in different forms Elohim is a general term for the spiritual realm, as we see in books like Psalms 97. But that even though there is a wide realm of the spiritual realm, it is wide and diverse and very general. But that God chooses how to appear in different forms and means and ways. He appears as a man, as an angel. He will appear as a dove. He will appear. He will speak through a donkey. He will come through a certain means and a certain way like a rushing wind. On the other hand, he will come through speaking through the prophets and the apostles. God has different ways of speaking in different seasons. And therefore... If we are not attuned to the fact that God will not speak in the same way that he spoke before, then we will be confused. The elders in heaven bow down and when they wake up, the glory of God has changed. Your God changes form. He does not change in his essence, but he changes in his form. And that if we are not willing to come out of our normalcy to step into the next season, into the next form that he wants to speak to us through, we will miss it. So first there is a death before a resurrection. There is a burying in the ground in darkness. Abraham, just like Adam in Genesis, had to endure a deep darkness when the Lord was speaking to him of his descendants. God in the beginning in Genesis walked in the chaos of darkness. The Bible says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Your God works in darkness. In fact, in Psalms 97 verse 2, we are told that darkness is wrapped around him. It is an incubation chamber for God to fulfill his promises. Whenever God places a man in darkness, he is busy, busy cooking up his promises. When he laid Abraham to sleep, he was telling him of the promises to come in the future. When he lay Adam to sleep, he was busy creating Eve. And so it is so with the church that there is a deep and a hovering darkness that precedes revival and that that is an environment for God to do great things. That violence and chaos, as it was in the beginning in Genesis, it says the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the face of the deep, but that the Spirit of God was brooding over the waters. So it is with the church that in a season of chaos, In a season where we feel lost, what we knew, what was normal to us, the normalcy of services, the normalcy of doing things, of, of tradition, of religion has been broken. And therefore we are left into that uncertain state. That is a recipe for great revival. It starts from there. Number two, release. release Ephesians 4 verse 8 says therefore it says he held a host of captives he led a host of captives Jesus freed those people who were righteous under the law even though their, their righteousness was partial but that when he descended into the depths of the earth he freed them he gave them the full righteousness of God for the righteousness of the law could not serve them but that it preserved them for a season. But that Jesus fulfilled their righteousness. They were able to have faith in his righteousness and therefore he pulled them up. And when Jesus was resurrected, the accounts of the gospel tell us that there were other people who were resurrected together with him. Those were the people who were righteous in the law, but that they needed the righteousness of Christ to be raised up from the dead. And so... In seasons of revival, there is great release from those who are in bondage. God comes down to our chaos to free us. He is not too distant to come and familiarize with the darkness over us. In the beginning, we are told that the Spirit brooded over the face of the deep. God is not unfamiliar with your darkness He is not too distant to come to your circumstance or situation. He's the one that put you in the darkness in the first place. He's the one that put you there as an incubation period for the promises of God to be fulfilled in your life. Therefore, He overs, He broods over the face of the deep. The coming of God exposes the bondage that we are are in and sets us free from it. Oh revival friends revival will not be comfortable revival will be very costly because God will confront our corrupt and hidden dealings before we speak about filled stadiums before we feel we speak about a whole city having a traffic jam because people are going to the presence of the Lord before we talk about all those things God will have to deal with us deeply The spirit of God is a spirit of truth first, before he converts. God exposes our flesh by throwing us off into the chaos. When God reduced us, when God started by reducing us, our flesh was exposed. The hidden sins, the hidden dealings in our lives were exposed. The spirit of truth came. Before he comforts us, he starts starts by bringing us to truth. Before he gives us grace, he he starts by bringing us to truth. Before he heals us, he exposes the wounds that are deep within our midst. Things that we never thought would be heard of, of ministers and people in the church will be exposed. That is a great recipe for revival. The Bible says... That after God was hovering over the face of the deep in Genesis, then he said, let there be light. Before there was light, there was a chaos. There was a necessary chaos and turbulence. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The earth was formless. It was void. The spirit of of, of God was hovering. He was familiar with the darkness. But that then and only then, God now exposed the world to the light. So God brings us to a wilderness chaos to expose the idols in our hearts. The Israelites were taken into the wilderness to expose the idols in their hearts. But that revival looks like a great repentance. It looks like reconciliation it looks like confronting the past it looks like uncovering hidden sins no longer will we have men who are preaching but that deep inside they do not know God but that when they go back home they have dysfunctional families no longer will we have people who are speaking in tongues but that when they come out they are slanderers and gossipers no longer will we have people who are just coming to church and praying the whole night but that when they go home they are irresponsible no longer will we have people who are just dragging themselves to church but that they know they have failed marriages they know they don't have a relationship with their children they know that in their life They are not right with God. God will expose the hiddenness in our lives. Revival will be costly. Oh, revival will be costly. True revival is costly. No wonder conferences and big meetings of revival only sustain us for a little while. The revival culture has made us to believe that God is meant to come in a certain week where we have fasted and we have prayed, and then God revives us. He returns the passion to him again, and that those things are really, really good. But that after that, what happens? We go back to empty houses. We go back to lives that are not surrendered to Jesus. Oh, I don't think that is true revival. Revival culture has to be revisited. Revival culture has to change. If God is to begin a true revival, it won't begin with conferences and meetings. It will begin with him changing the church right from the home, right from the marketplace, right from the dark places of our lives. So being freed by God. Being freed by God is a necessary requirement for revival. God will first battle. God will first battle with us within before he goes out and battles with other enemies. God will first battle with us. We remember Israel. Jacob, when he was running from his brother, he was a liar and a conman. But that he had to wrestle with God. Be careful when we sing Lion of Judah, man of war, mighty warrior, great in battle. Let us know that the war will first be with us before God fights our enemies. When we introduce God When we sing the God of revival to come into our city, oh, we are introducing the war to ourselves. We are introducing the war in our closets. God had to battle with Jacob, and he broke his hip. Are you willing to be broken at your hip, at your groins, at those deep places that God will change you from deep inside you? that for god to begin a necessary revival he was with us and he changes us jacob had to be changed god had to change him by the time he was leaving the presence of god after fighting with god jacob was limping he was not left the same way there was something inside him that was changed before we even talk about the blessing of god before we even talk about the revival and the coming of the presence of god there is a deep breaking of our bonds from within. God breaks us. There is a breaking that goes on in us. So Jacob had to be broken before he was blessed. God had to quote unquote sanctify the patriarchal blessing from Isaac. Came down from Abraham now to Isaac. But that Jacob obtained him through uh, obtained the blessing through trickery. He tricked his brother uh, by purporting to be His first, uh, uh, by purporting to be the firstborn before Isaac, because Isaac was uh, was partially blind, he could not see that that was not Esau, and so God had to intervene and sanctify the blessing. Oh, Jacob, you thought you thought that the blessing would just be convenient. You thought that you could manipulate God. You thought that you could just do things and get away. The blessing of the Lord comes with responsibility. It comes with a change in character. Therefore, he had to be broken from within. And that God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. So in the seasons of revival, God changes us from our selfish ambitions and motives. And He changes our minds and our attitudes and our hearts. He changes our character from within. And He makes us to go to that cross... And that we no longer look for just our self-interest, but for the interest of others. Jacob was just after his own interest. He just wanted the blessedness of inheritance. But God broke him and changed his name from Jacob to Israel. From the name of a conman to the name of a nation. His purpose and his vision was now a nation. His course was fully changed when he met with God. Do we now want revival? Do you want revival? It will look like a breaking. It will look like people limping. People who looked and seemed as if they have and are full of God. But that God has exposed them and has broken them from deep within. Number three, reward. Reward. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, And he gave gifts to men. It continues in verse 11 saying, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. So, when the devil tricked Adam to sin, Adam gave away some of the gifts. He gave away some of the gifts and that the devil took the keys to death and life together with the gifts of Adam. Adam did not even know what he was losing by eating that forbidden fruit. But that the devil took his gifts. He stole from him the gifts. And he took the keys to death. But that Jesus, when he descended to the lower parts of the earth, went and took them out. Came and he gave them back to the church. God had given Adam those gifts To multiply the garden of Eden throughout the world. Inside Adam were gifts of apostleship, of prophets, of teaching, of shepherding, of evangelists. But that the devil stole it from him. and That God had come to fully revive it. After God deals with the enemy of our sinful nature, as he dealt with Jacob, he now brings justice to our enemies. Genesis 15 says, still God is continuing to tell Abraham about the promise. I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Does it provoke your mind a little bit that God would commission a nation to punish Israel? But that God comes back to punish the oppressor and take possessions from them. Seasons of revival looks like God giving us our possessions back. God appoints the wicked to bondage us, to bring chaos, as we saw in the beginning. But that their purpose was only to chase us out of Jerusalem. God comes back to judge the wicked. Therefore, lift up your heads, be encouraged that if God has placed people in your life, If it is an employee, if it is a government that is oppressing, if it is a culture that is suffocating, if God has placed such people in your life to bring chaos and disruption and to break normalcy, remember that he's coming back to judge. Genesis 1, we are told, God saw that the light was good and God separated light from darkness. After the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, God exposed the darkness and then He separated the light from the darkness. That is divine justice. Revival is a time of divine justice, it's a time of distinction. It's a season of harvest that reveals the wheat from the tares. The wheat and the tares were looking alike, darkness was there. Darkness is the absence of light. We didn't know what light was until God introduced it. And therefore, when it came, God set a distinction between darkness and light. Revival looks like distinction. It looks like God showing himself and saying, who are you saints and who are the wicked? Be careful when we pray for revival. The enemy, as we saw in the parable of the weeds, planted a seed in Adam that he didn't fully understand the consequences thereof the enemy plants a seed in our seed stages remember that in the parable of the weeds the enemy planted the weeds when the when the wheat was still in their seed stages so the enemy times us in our seed stages when we are still innocent when we are still not familiar when we don't know what is going on when adam did not even understand what was happening the enemy planted a seed Because he knows that there is something of God in you, in the church. Therefore, he plants it at the beginning stages. He plants it at the very foundations. Anger, sexual abuse, toxic masculinity, loneliness, rejection, deceitfulness, lust, theft. Things were planted in us before we even knew, before we even realized that we were in a battle. The enemy was already attacking us before we even knew what a war was. The enemy was attacking us from our childhood, from our beginning stages. Many people have been attacked by the wicked one. We are attacked by the strong man and stolen from what we didn't even know was our inheritance. And therefore, revival looks like God rewarding us back what the enemy has stolen. Oh, God is restoring back masculine authority, families. God is restoring back women who are freed from feminism and all those things. And is restoring female wisdom and nurturing back. God is restoring genuine worship back. God is restoring your innocence that was stolen away. God is restoring your dignity that the devil took through immorality. God is restoring your prayer life that you think you had lost and were far from God. God is restoring your ministry that was attacked and the enemy brought scandals at the beginning of your ministry. God is restoring it back. God is restoring your testimony that was blundered during your early stages. Revival looks like God is giving us what the enemy stole. The Israelites left with their possessions and were going to their inheritance as their enemies drowned. Be careful when we pray for revival. The same enemies that enslaved us will have to be drowned. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers will be passing through the waters to the other side. Seasons of revival are filled with the callings of God. If you view the revival history, of the church during great revivals men received great callings it's because god is rewarding back what the enemy had stolen when revival takes place some men in power will lose their position some will even die be careful when you pray for revival god is a man of war he fought with us first as he fought with Jacob, he changed us, he broke us, he transformed us. But now he comes to fight with his enemies. Number four, reproduction. Ephesians four twelve to sixteen to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is Head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love oh i didn't know that through the chaos and the darkness through the exposure that the light brought through the embarrassment and through the moments of feeling naked i didn't know that god was growing me it's in the face of revival that we get the context to our suffering that god was not just out to make us to suffer he was he was he was answering our prayers to revival but it's only that it started by chaos it didn't start by field stadiums god was out to make us to grow had we remained as we were before doing services as we did running programs as we did using the same charismatic formulas we would never grow jerusalem has an expiry debt we have to go out to judea and samaria that is where revival happens acts chapter 8 we are told those who were scattered went about preaching the word Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who heard them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was joy in the city." Philip inherited a city, but it was only after God dealt with them in that Jerusalem. He had to scatter them. He brought a darkness. He brought a dreadful and a deep darkness over the church that was in Jerusalem, and they had to be scattered. They had to be some chaos. God shone a light and exposed them when they were running away to show them the comfort of your jerusalem was hindering your revival and then god god imparted on them gifts he rewarded them gifts yet again and he sent them out to judea and samaria revival looks like cities changed by a changed church if we want revival god will start by engineering re-engineering the church again the changed church is the one that will change cities Abraham's descendants had to go to Egypt to grow. The Bible says that through the bondage of Pharaoh, the Israelites grew in numbers. Bondage, chaos, darkness brings increase. Bondage and wilderness are greenhouses for kingdom purposes. Grown people will reproduce other grown people. We have seen it from that text from Ephesians chapter 4 that now that we are grown and we are equipped now that we are rewarded and restored we can go ahead and equip other people so that they can equip other people it's a continuous line of reproduction (sighs) that means that we are no longer childish we know the schemes of the devil very well by this time We have fought him before, been there, done that. We are no longer scared when he attacks. And therefore we are qualified to equip others. Grown saints, grown soldiers in the army of God reproduce other grown people. The craving for posterity is birthed after God kills our childish and selfish agendas in the wilderness. The wilderness was used to expose our idols. The chaos made us to die to our selfish dreams and ambitions. And that God puts a hunger for posterity in us. A hunger for producing disciples. A hunger for mentoring others to grow in the ways and the, and, and the word of the Lord. Now we have a kingdom mindset to equip as many as possible. Now we can talk about cities and stadiums. Now that God has changed us, we can go out as men who are sent, as John was saying in 1 John that which we have seen, we have heard, we have tested. We had to see it and to test it and to prove of it in the wilderness, and then we can be sent. We had to be equipped. First, before we go and we keep. After we come out of wilderness, the only thing we care about is inheritance. We no longer care about monuments. Many revival movements are built around monuments and a monument means it's like a museum. It's a great move of God that came but that it was not reproduced in people. People came only to witness. They were only spectators, but they did not partake of it. There was no seed that was planted that would grow in people. And so what only people can pick from revival movements is the way the pastor was waving the coat, was the way people were praying charismatically, was the way a pastor was preaching with a certain tone. And therefore that is what they try to repeat in the church, and it does not work. I'm sorry, God will have to break that order. God will have to break that methodology. When God takes us to a wilderness, he brings us to authenticity. He gives us our own voice. We will no longer need to copy anyone. We will not need to sound like a particular ministry. He gives us our own voice. In that it puts in our hearts a hunger for inheritance. What will the next generation inherit? We want them to inherit the presence of God. We want them to inherit a good example and a modeling. After revival, people become mothers and fathers. There is an instinct of parental, a parental instinct that infuses us after bridal revival we no longer care just about our monuments it's not just for people to see us and to clap for us And so it is a celebration of people that only builds monuments it makes people to say wow and to wonder but that it does not reproduce more of you jesus only needed 12 men and he changed cities but those men had jesus reproduced in them they saw him he models he modeled uh, kingdom living to them and therefore they went and they modeled it to the next we do not need mega churches for bridal revival if you can get the hungry enough and that you are able to model to them kingdom purpose and kingdom living they will be able to reproduce that into to many more If one can go to thousands, two can go to ten thousands, and others can go to others. That is the picture of revival. It will not just happen in one city and one stadium and one sitting. God might do great things there, but that it is a continuous line of reproduction. Revival looks like that. Those who are grown and they are equipped by God in the wilderness go ahead, equipping others and others, equip others and others, equip others. It's a continuous line of reproduction. Lastly, restoration. Ephesians 4 verse 8 says, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high. This is the pinnacle of bridal revival. Jesus went back where he was in glory. We Remember we started by a reduction. Therefore he goes back to glory. His church was not the same the biggest revival will be us meeting us meeting Jesus in the air what does that mean that the genuine hunger for Christ's second coming comes in revival men in revival lose worldly appetites and attachments and they begin to get homesick they begin to want heaven more than ever before. They begin to cry out, as we are told in, genera- in, in the book of Revelation, Come! The spirit and the bride says, Come! That cry of, Come, Lord Jesus, is produced in revival because men have lost love for the world and its passions. A sojourning attitude infuses us. And we love each day. We live each day in light of, re- of, re- of eternity. A church that goes back to elevate worldly things like prosperity and money and blessings is still dead and needs an awakening. Let's pray. Dear God, in the minds and the hearts of these listeners, awaken them. Many have been feeling like a Lazarus in the tomb. It's now time to awaken them. Awaken your church in the name of Jesus. Awaken us from our childishness, from our pettiness, from our sensitive communities and and, and the way we want to have good services and and, and nice and, and touchy programs that are so communal and nice and we can smile. to a new face bring us to a place O god that we will hunger for your presence like never before disrupt our normal services thank you that you started it through covid thank you that you're doing it again disrupt our normal services disrupt our programs disrupt the way we know church that you may build us up again as your body In the name of Jesus, have your way. We await for the outpouring of your spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.